0: Welcome to Retail Intel, a show about retail, real estate, and the latest trends in the industries. I'm Ashley Casey, Director of National Accounts at Phillips Edison. Today, we're speaking with Michael Scharf, CEO at Evolve Technologies. Mike has an extensive history in retail, with a focus on the convergence of retail and technology. At Evolve, Mike and his team help brands grow and improve their customer experiences through web and mobile platforms. Mike and I share a common passion for emerging retail trends and technologies. And in our discussion, we cover how retail as a whole has pivoted over the past year and a half, what the real meaning of OmniChannel is, and how retailers can succeed in our unpredictable and changing consumer landscape.
1: Hi, my name is Michael Sharp. I'm the CEO of Evolve Technologies. We are an artificial intelligence-driven solution for digital growth optimization. And we work with brands to help improve their customer experience, recognizing that the digital experiences today are really complex. Uh, Virtually everything we do nowadays starts online with a digital journey, whether it's booking travel, financial transactions, consuming entertainment, or shopping. And those user experiences comprise hundreds, if not thousands, of different elements that make it either easier or harder for the customer to achieve their objectives. And we work to help brands identify strategies and solutions using our platform to help improve those customer experiences and improve the customer journey so that clients are happier with their outcomes and businesses get more out of the interactions with each of their clients.
0: How long has Evolve been in business?
1: So the company was founded in March of 2019, but we were a spin out of a larger research and development firm that had been around since 2007. So some of the technologies that we've leveraged have been in development now for over a decade, Uh, but the company as it stands today was founded about two years ago.
0: That's fabulous timing without even knowing it. It's been a year when everyone's really had to pivot and find ways to innovate and, you know, adhere to the customer more than ever. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, you know, the reason I led the founding of the company was I actually had done some work with the predecessor, the research and development firm. And when I saw the work they were doing in this space, I got really excited uh, because of my own background in retail and e-commerce. And I thought this was the perfect kind of product that I would have loved to have had when I was running e-commerce sites to be able to help me improve my business.
0: So I'd like to hear a little bit more about your personal background. It sounds like you've been on the forefront of all of this for quite some time.
1: Yeah, well, I've always loved retail. Uh, I actually started uh, in college selling stereos out of my apartment and, you know, ended up making a career in retail uh, early on in merchandising. So I spent the first 15 years of my career working uh, mostly at a company called The Good Guys out in California. And then I moved to Best Buy in Minnesota, uh, where I was a merchant in a variety of categories. And then uh, in the early 2000s, I helped Best Buy launch their first e-commerce business, and spent a number of years at Best Buy, and then went on to a few other companies, uh, notably Staples, where I ran their B2B technology group, and then Toys R Us, where I spent seven years running our global e-commerce business, and then new ventures and innovation. So I've seen uh, a lot of different industries from a retail perspective, and then obviously, you know, the journey from pre-internet all the way through to fully integrated commerce, which uh, is where we are today, and it's really exciting to see.
0: Those are some really big retail names that I know have had to pivot several times within the last you know couple of decades, probably even before my time. So that that's a colored background. I love that. Um, I was doing some research of my own on you and I mean over 30 years of experience in retail and you know the various technological sectors of that. I'm curious what you've seen the changes or how you've seen the, the industry change when it comes to integration of what, what we're now dubbing omni-channel. And before that, I, I would love to hear your definition of omni-channel. I feel like that's such a big buzzword lately.
1: Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. And I think the first time I got asked that was at a conference when I was speaking at maybe like 15 years ago. So I really just think about it all as shopping and all is commerce. And, you know, there's been a lot of terms associated with it. I think we went from omni-channel to multi-channel to seamless channel. But (laughs) from the customer perspective, it's just shopping or it's just banking Mm -hmm. or it's just travel. And, you know, really customers look at brands as an integrated entity. They don't think about how do they interact on devices. They think about what am I trying to accomplish and what's the best way to do it? And, you know, I think certainly as an industry, we've really gone through, a pretty big pivot since the early days of the internet around this concept. I remember when I first joined Best Buy, you know, it was in the end of 99, all big companies kind of assumed their e-commerce businesses were going to supplant their stores. And, you know, we were going to end up being bigger than the stores and everybody was going to shift to digital. And, you know, as uh, Mark Andreessen's fond of saying software is going to eat the world. And what we found is that there's you know, a big intersection where customers still love that in-store shopping experience the serendipity of discovery that comes the look and feel of products but there are things that the digital channels offer that are way easier for customers and provide a much richer experience like the ability to do lots of research customer reviews you know q a that you could find Uh, and nowadays things like augmented reality that allow you to see products in your home So, you know, it's really about finding the best possible solution for the specific task the customer is looking to do, whether that needs to take place a desktop or laptop or with a mobile phone or in a store, and then how those channels interact with each other to create a great user journey.
0: I absolutely agree. And I don't think I've ever really thought of it in those terms exactly. But, you know, as a consumer, I think definitely I'm just shopping. I'm not thinking of it um, as omni-channel or I'm online shopping. But like you mentioned, I do really enjoy that experiential factor. And so from my perspective as retail real estate landlord, we've noticed a lot of digital brands come into the brick-and-mortar space So we call that, you know, the buzzword clicks to bricks is what we would call it a couple of years ago. And I think that's probably still a common phrase, but uh, you know, they, they really note that they need a a brand presence and that's done with a physical storefront. So I'm curious if you see these brick and mortar locations that used to be purely online, how that's affecting their sales and growth, whether that's digital or in-store, if at all.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, like we were talking about, you know, there are lots of things that you can do in a digital experience, but some of them you can't. And, you know, for products that customers want to touch and feel, or if they want that immediacy of just going to buy something right now, uh, or if they need to return something, or if they want to try something on, there's nothing to replicate that, you know, physical experience yet. We don't have holodecks in our houses yet. Um, and maybe someday we will, but for now, you know, I think what has happened is these digital brands, digital native brands like Amazon or Warby Parker and others have recognized that the physical environment plays a really big part, not only in the user journey, but in the helping to build their brand and engaging with the market as a whole. So I think, you know, all retailers, you know, are going to have some need for some physical presence. And on top of just the shopping side, you've obviously got the distribution component. And, you know, ultimately, all of those products have to get delivered to customers. And we look at something like the grocery industry, you know, with Amazon's purchase of Whole Foods, not only do they now have an in-store presence where they could show off Amazon products, which they do, but they've got a way to, you know, use a delivery network to bring products to the consumers that's highly distributed and lives outside of their you know, traditional distribution network. So we're gonna see more and more retail locations you know, serve hybrid purposes, you know, whether it's for distribution or you know, in-store returns or you know, buy online, pick up in store or curbside delivery. There's a whole host of you know, new capabilities that get opened up when you start to integrate those channels together that give the customer a lot more flexibility.
0: It's funny that you mentioned, you know, the click and collect and curbside pickup and and delivery that, as you know, has become more and more prevalent over the past year as those consumers who probably wouldn't have touched that sort of technology were kind of forced to, you know, became a necessity rather than an amenity. So I'm yeah, And not just
1: the customers, but also the brands. I mean, if you look at, you know, the restaurant industry, the grocery delivery industry, these were really laggards in adopting digital channels to engage their customers. And you know, overnight, they were forced to completely rejigger their entire operating model. To be able to either deliver a product or, you know, have in-store pickup or curbside pickup to be safe and healthy for their clients. And I think what we've seen now is that virtually every industry has recognized that the digital intersection with their clients is really critical to their ongoing success. And you know, we've got new behaviors now, where we've seen certainly new demographics, but really across the entire spectrum of engagement and consumption, uh, people start their journeys online now. And while we'll see. People go back to movie theaters and people go back to restaurants and people go back to stores. You know, a lot of these behaviors, a lot of these expectations that we now have aren't going to revert. And, you know, we've probably accelerated the growth of e-commerce broadly by, you know, at least five, maybe closer to 10 years from the trends that we were on pre-COVID.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree, Mike. You know, I've, I've often said when I do my own sort of interviews with media outlets that we were already seeing many of these trends prior to 2020, prior to 2019, but this just really um, escalated the pace, how quickly they would come to fruition and really be prevalent within our consumer society. So I, I think we're on the same page there. You know, Phillips Edison is almost entirely grocery anchored shopping. You know, I'm curious if you've seen grocers innovating in any other specific ways to make the shopping experience more convenient for consumers other than the click and collect and curbside and, and delivery. I mean, are, is there any other sort of technology that...
1: Yeah, well, well, I think first and foremost, you know, the probably the biggest impact for grocery, you know, when COVID hit was not so much the user experience and the user journey, but really the supply chain and logistics of getting food to people. So what we saw early on was a really intent focus by all the grocers nationally as well as restaurants around how do they streamline their operations and think about that you know, kind of point-to-point opportunity for delivery to a consumer, rather than you know kind of point-to-store, and that you know took a lot of effort for companies to you know re-engineer their supply chain. So I think now they're in a position where they've got a lot more flexibility. But the the things that I think are really starting to bear fruit now are things like mobile applications, customer loyalty and rewards programs you know, thinking differently about the flow in the stores. How do you get people in and out faster? So obviously some of these trends like self-checkout and others, you know, are certainly taking hold earlier on, but a lot more engagement through digital devices. And then even, you know, companies uh, stretching into content, you know, helping customers think about how do they eat? What do they eat? How do they prepare foods? And how can they be a partner across that entire spectrum of food, not just delivering it or selling it? So I think it's exciting.
0: With your group Evolve, so do you all implement these applications or design them to help bridge that gap? Or what's the role with Evolve? when it Yeah, comes-
1: so we, we help brands improve their customer experience. So we're not an e-commerce platform, uh, but we will work with them to help identify opportunities to improve their user experience in their journey. Everything from you know the user flow to the design of the site, to the types and places of the content, to how they handle checkout, Um, And we can do this across all of their digital touch points, whether it's the website, it's mobile applications, it's email, chatbots. So it's really about identifying, you know, within a digital experience, what is the customer trying to accomplish and how do we make that the most enjoyable and easiest experience possible so they can do what they want as easy and as fast as possible, yielding, you know, great returns for the customer in terms of ease of use and then great outcomes from a business standpoint for, for the brands. And, you know, it's not just commerce, it could be signing up for an email, it could be, you know, creating a loyalty account or checking your balances, could be signing up for credit, you know, any kind of interaction that you do in a digital experience is an area where we can help brands improve
0: there have just been so many cool technological advances that i've seen and that I've, I've actually used myself you know a lot of these restaurants are doing the order online and then pick up in store and i don't speak to anyone i just walk in pick up a bag that says my name on it and walk out after i've ordered on my phone and then you know a lot of service industries have wait times now listed including grocery yeah. stores the average wait time in their um, in their store and it's really cool to see how folks have innovated and and just come up with these really cool devices and technologies and mechanisms to make things more interesting for the consumer and easier for the consumer. So despite all the negativity that has really come out of the past year, a lot of cool innovation has come out of it. And that's, you know, one, one bright side um, to, to all of this, if we need to find one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you think about it, you know, customers have been kind of pushing industry in this way for a long time. And I think a lot of retailers have been, you know, hesitant to make the investments in things like self checkout or, you know, mobile devices that could be used in store, um, just because it, it's a different way of thinking about the customer journey than a traditional retailer is used to. And I think, you know, for other high tech retailers, there's always been a little bit of a concern about disintermediating that human connection with the consumer. But a lot of consumers, like you said, they just want to get into a store, get what they want to get out. And a lot of times they would prefer to do it without talking to it, someone. The internet has really created, you know, an opportunity for customers to be significantly smarter about their shopping patterns and journeys than they used to be. And the access to online reviews and Q&A and feedback um, and comparison engines make the customers, you know, have a lot more control about that journey. So thinking through how does that experience need to change in a world where the customer is really empowered has been, you know, a big sea change in how we think about retail. And, you know, that's not to say there's no role for, you know, great in-person customer experience, but it's different than it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And we really need to embrace the technologies to give customers the type of experiences they want to have, not try to impose upon them the types of uh, experiences or interfaces that we as brands want to put on those customers.
0: We touched a little bit on distribution centers and, you know, the implementation of various technologies in retail. How do you see the physical, you know, actual layout of stores changing? And maybe we start grocery even.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, just, you know, myself having, you know, shopped occasionally through COVID, but certainly now as the stores start to open back up, I'm actually surprised there hasn't been more change in the physical environment. I think the one thing I've seen is more self checkout. But beyond that, there hasn't been a really big pivot in the user. kind of journey through a store. I think, you know, as in-store pickup and curbside become more prevalent as ongoing, not temporary fixes, I think stores are going to need to think about how do they re-engineer the layout of the store so it's easier for customers to get in and out and find the goods they're looking for. You know, some companies now are starting to install lockers for pickup, which I think is great near the front of the store or special dedicated lanes uh, for customers who are just doing pickup. So I think all of those things around, How do customers get product are going to change the way the store changes? Outside of grocery, if you start to think about the idea of a expanded assortment and endless aisle and other industries where you might have a lot more products in your online journey than you do in a physical store, you know, finding new ways to expose those products to customers in the stores through digital experiences, uh, whether they're, you know, large interactive displays or possibly AR or VR experiences, I think are going to be really fun to see how those unfold over the coming years because that store experience is still going to be important. But, you know, one of the benefits of an online shopping journey is you can carry a lot more products than you can in your physical store. So I think different industries are going to have different challenges um, that they're going to have to face. And then obviously, you know, health and safety, you know, in the era of COVID, I think we're all going to be a lot more cognizant about you know how and where we engage and you know things we touch and i think that's certainly you know really critical in the food space where where food safety has always been a big issue but you know there's a new heightened sensitivity now so you know how is uh, that going to affect the user experience and what does that look like in a store environment going forward where kind of low touch is going to be more important
0: so that kind of made me think of uh technology that we recently implemented from the landlord side. So not so much retail, but we can now allow our prospective tenants to tour our stores entirely virtually or our vacant spaces, to tour our stores entirely online. So they can enter through the doors, you know, check out all the walls, even the bathrooms, the HVAC. And I wonder if that might be something that retailers could implement to allow customers to do this sort of retail journey, but all from the comfort of their own homes before they either go in and pick up or... um,
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think finding ways to, you know, kind of make that journey as, you know, easy and, you know, touch-free as possible. I've also, I guess one of the other things I've seen is certainly everybody has installed automatic doors everywhere now. Um, and, you know, I've noticed uh, in the bathrooms, there's a lot fewer hand dryers now and, you know, a lot fewer air dryers. And now people are going back to paper towels because they don't spread viruses or germs around. So it's interesting to see, you know, just some of the small technologies that kind of really improve environments. Uh, the other thing, as uh, you know, you kind of look at office spaces and other retail environments. Is the need for better HVAC systems is really important. So uh, there's a whole bunch of you know associated components with that whole topic that are important.
0: Well, I love the automatic door thing because it's yeah. so awkward whenever someone is holding a door open for you and you're you know 40 seconds away and you have to sprint to the door. And the paper towels have always been a paper towel fan over those fans that don't really do much for you. There in the bathroom so I support it but we've really been kind of talking about grocery and touched on various sectors of the retail industry. what retail sectors do you expect to thrive in the near future and I'm you know I'm referring to will it be restaurants will it be disc- discount will it be luxury? Um, yeah
1: well I was just reading yesterday that uh, there are something like 3500 new retail locations have been announced uh, for the next 12 months. And more than 25% of them are dollar stores. So I think there's clearly going to be a big, you know, trend. And I think, you know, this obviously, you know, related to the economy, I think there's still a lot of complexity in the economic recovery, but there's a lot of unemployed Americans and a lot of economic disparity that I think is driving some of these behaviors in the market. So you know, there's uh, macroeconomic issues. And then I think you were gonna see a, a huge resurgence in restaurants and entertainment. I think there's a, just an enormous pent up demand for people to wanna go out and, and socialize and be entertained. And you know, one of the things, although we've seen a huge amount of closures in the restaurant industry, it is a very, very resilient and fast moving sector. And you know, there's always lots of restaurants coming and going. So I think there's really gonna be a boom opportunity. For people who love cooking and want to serve and build restaurants, probably the biggest challenge might be finding staffing right now for, uh, you know, support in those restaurants. And then I think, you know, on broader retail, I just think you know, we're going to see the continued innovation around those digital experiences with new technologies to really improve the customer journey, whether it's, you know, new ways to use your mobile app while you're in the store or augmented reality or other capabilities that could kind of enhance that experience. I think there's just a a wide range of options that are going to be flowing now, you know, with this new innovation that we're seeing coming out. So it's really exciting.
0: So you've touched on this sort of pent-up demand that has existed for the past year or so. And Mike, I know you're California-based. So what are you most excited or what what have you been doing that you haven't been able to do for the past year or so as we emerge from this?
1: Uh, Well, I uh, just picked my son up from college in Maine a few days ago, and I went to my first indoor dining experience in over a year, and it was really fun. Yeah. Um, So I am very much looking forward to, you know, going out to my local restaurants. We moved in the middle of COVID, so we're in a, a new neighborhood now, and I'd love to go explore and get to meet some of the folks in the local shops and restaurants also really excited to go back to see live music, which I'm a big fan of and have not done in a long time. So um, haven't seen anything planned yet, but hopefully by fall, we'll start to see live music venues, you know, really getting going again. So for me, you know, it's really about socializing. And then uh, on the work front, you know, being able to go spend time with my team. I love working in person and we haven't been in the office since last March. So uh, getting back together with the team on a regular basis is something I'm really looking forward to.
0: Well, I'm in Georgia, Mike, and so we're a totally different animal. I actually just bought my first concert tickets for October, and that'll be my first concert within, you know, the last, I don't know, year and a half or so, or maybe two years by then. So very excited for that and just attended a conference in Florida which felt very odd at first. Yeah, yeah
1: I'll bet. <laughs> definitely feels weird to be out and socializing again. I mean, the first time I went for a walk without my mask, it felt kind of weird. It was like, oh, I'm supposed to have a mask on, but I don't really need to. And I've been told now that I don't have to wear it in public, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if I'm not near a crowd. So, uh, you know, all those behaviors are going to take time. And I think we just need to be you know, thoughtful as a society that there are a, a wide range of perspectives on how to deal with this stuff. And we need to try to treat each other kindly and with sensitivity. And hopefully we'll all get through this together.
0: So what what do you think the overall takeaway for retailers with a brick and mortar presence is from the past year or year and a half?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, innovation across the user experience is super critical and embracing new channels is not something that we should wait to be forced to by the customers. I think some brands were really aggressive about adopting digital technologies early. And I think everybody really needs to think about all of those customer touch points and not just, um, you know, web-based but whether it's phone or store or, you know, mobile all of them are super important to the user journey and you only have one brand and that brand lives across all of those touch points and you need to think about them you know seamlessly from the customer perspective not from an internal organization or a technology perspective but you know how does each of those interfaces you know really enhance your user journey and how does it create great customer experiences which create brand loyalty
0: i think it was winston churchill that said never let a crisis go to waste <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. And this is a perfect example. I think companies have a chance to really think about the learnings they've had in the last year, and how to, you know, really embed those into their operating models for the ongoing future. And then hopefully, think about how to create more nimble platforms. So, you know, when the next unexpected event, hopefully not a crisis, but the next unexpected event happens, they're ready to pivot and move fast to take advantage of the opportunities that arise.
0: It's been really interesting from both a retail, real estate perspective and just a consumer perspective. You know, hopefully we we have a brighter future ahead of us and have learned a lot from the past year. But my final question for you, Mike, I mean, I know you're you've been in the tech industry and you are a very tech-minded person. So I know that the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is open up my email. I'm curious what your favorite app is on your phone.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I have a lot of apps on my phone because I spend a lot of time on it. So I do all the usual stuff. I check Facebook. I obviously check Slack and my messages and my social media. But, you know, probably the things that, you know, I have been using a lot more than I might have in the past are online cooking applications. So I do a lot of cooking. Obviously, everybody's done a lot of cooking lately, but I've always loved to cook. So I really like the New York Times cooking. Illustrated. Uh, I have an app called Copy Me That that allows me to collect recipes from around the internet and save them. And then I've made abundant use of DoorDash in the last year.
0: (laughs) You're not alone.
1: So, um, and then just on the fun side, I found a new app recently called Uncrate, which is a uh, online, uh, I guess it's a shopping site, but it basically they aggregate all kinds of cool geeky stuff for guys who want to be James Bond type person, you know, <laughs> cool clothes and cars and gadgets and stuff. So, you know, that's a fun site to look at every day to see what's new. Like today yeah, I, they got like a, a little just- floating. Uh, like a little floating uh house you could buy stuff like that so
0: (laughs) i just googled it and definitely james bond-esque so i'll have to check that out a little bit more (laughs) yeah
1: and i'm looking forward to going to see the new james bond movie in theaters hopefully this fall
0: (laughs) yes three times yeah. Um, but well, we might miss the days when you could run out an entire theater for a hundred bucks or whatever they yeah, have.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: <laughs> well, Mike, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. Finally, I'd just like you to plug Evolve and let people know how they can find you um, and you know what the best way is to contact you and, and utilize your services.
1: Yeah, well, thank you so much. So uh, the easiest way to find us as a company would be on our website at Evolve. That's E-V-O-L-V and if you want to reach me, it's Michael.Sharf at Evolve.ai, and we look forward to hearing from you.
0: Thank you to Mike and the Evolve team for joining me in this conversation. You can find Evolve at Evolve.ai. That's E-V-O-L-V v.ai If you'd like to reach me or the rest of the National Accounts team, feel free to email us at nationalaccounts at philipsedison.com. Also, subscribe to Retail Intel to hear more conversations with decision makers and innovators in retail real estate.